The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. This is obviously like a newbie episode. We're tackling very basic rules questions here. Um, that might not be for everyone who listens. A lot of us have been playing this game for quite a while. If you have more to contribute, if you have more to add, if I missed something, if I got something wrong, point it out. Absolutely. We like we keep saying this is a community podcast for all of us, for everyone. Let's all help each other learn. Thank you for meeting me on such short notice, Agent. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm, it's my pleasure to work for the Rebellion and for anything you need me to do. This mission comes directly from Mon Mothma herself and requires your extensive skill set to see it through. Uh, what's the what's the job? You are to go to the Calarian system. Turn on your transponder and listen carefully to the Dark Times podcast. Hi, it, doesn't, Sam. it doesn't really fit in universe for what we've been doing. Where it's been like, oh, it totally came. doesn't. No, yeah. but I, I'll keep it. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, we'll see what the you know. This is the show now. Steven. This is the show. We're here. <laughs> I'm Stephen. I'm Sam. We're we're back. We're back. Episode three. Episode three. The number one critically acclaimed Swissy podcast <laughs> is back for episode three. Critically acclaimed by who? Uh, by a, a handful of lovely fans on on Reddit. <laughs> the podcast that is your podcast as much as it is mine, dear listener is back for episode three. Probably the best of the prequels of Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I... I, I, I <laughs> wait, of the movies? Or of the... Both? Okay, yeah. I'm hoping this episode's better than the first two. I mean, the first yeah, one's I, pretty good. I feel like we've improved every time. Every time. Um, I think we're improving right now. Yeah, improving. Ye- improving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna need better gags than that. <laughs> Alright, um, I thought they sounded worse on the outside. <laughs> That should be like our, our slogan or something. That's really good. Uh, we're in episode three now, and we have got the feedback has increased yes. in a way that I never thought was possible. Yes. I um, didn't think this day would come for another 50 episodes for some reason. We got our first email. Steven. We got our first email. Before Sam. we dive into that email. Yes. Uh, let's just say another thank you to everyone who's been listening. Of course. Again, I, I know it sounds a lot like what I said last episode, but I'm just so happy to have this feedback and everyone listening and Checking us out on the Twitter and the Reddits and the, the Dark Times uh, and also the Swissy Discord, which we love their feedback as well. I'm a changed man. Um, really, I, I walk around, I hold my head high. You found pod. My, I found pod. <laughs> uh, my, my back is, is straighter. My skin is glowing. Knowing my crops that are, are my, my crops are flourishing. It will be a bountiful harvest. Um, I'm just grateful that that we can do this for all of you and that everyone's excited and that we continue to hear things almost every day about what what you guys want to hear on the podcast. And we're going to keep going until we drop dead. Hell Um, yeah. That's my personal guarantee. So we have our great, our great email. Let's just fucking dive into it. Yeah, let's get right into it. I don't remember what he said he wanted to be called. Nate. He was cool with being called Nate. He was cool with being Nate. But also the the username that he used on the subreddit. Champion Corn. Champion Corn. Great screen name, by the way. Uh, Absolutely. Really family friendly. Family friendly. Marketable. Gets right to the point. It's got that... Um, SEO optimization. Y- yeah, that's not what I was going to say. I, I was going to say, it's got a alliteration. Alliteration. That's also. always a sign of a good username, yeah. I think. Um, so, Nate reached out to us, and he had a lot to say. Nate, um, when I first envisioned getting emails for this podcast, I imagined, like, 
reading them aloud. Um, however, your email is so extensive, so detailed, so just beautiful that I am going to have to paraphrase like 90% of it. Like we could do an episode of the podcast just reading his email. Yeah, for the I, I, I would take an hour for me to like read through all of this and answer everything in true verboseness. We'll probably get, what do you think, like two episodes out of answering some of these questions? We'll, <sighs> Maybe three we'll, or yeah, four. We'll, we'll see. Honestly, There's a lot There's here. a lot here, which is fine yeah. because we want to answer the audience's questions about things for the podcast absolutely and, and nate reached out to us he basically wanted to us to answer a set of like a, about a, a dozen or more newbie questions um he says he learns better through podcasts and has more time for podcasts than he does for just trialing through wikias and subreddits so i can't blame him personally i think that's a real efficient way to learn and like i told nate you know me and you are just giddy at this opportunity to demystify <laughs> a lot of this stuff, Absolutely. because teaching Saga Edition is is kind of a game on its own, as I've as I've said before. It's definitely, I I don't want to say it's it's not a good idea for a first tabletop game, for no, a first, for a first system, yeah. But it is if you're familiar with any sort of D twenty based system already, it's definitely a good place to kind of get your feet wet on the feats system and anything like that. Talents, because I know fifth edition has. Feats optional, yeah, but they're not a mandatory part of the game like it is with Saga Edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, from what I've read, Nate is coming from Fifth Edition, so yes, he is. So definitely, the experience that I have is going to be similar in that sense, where I played a lot of Fifth Edition, and so I'm used to those um, problems and those scenarios compared to Saga Edition. So I, I, I've got a good inside. I've got the inside scoop on this one, Stephen. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're locked in. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm fucking locked in. Um, Let's dive in. <laughs> Let's dive in, right in, head first. You know, I'm not, I can't dive. More on that later. <laughs> no more on that later, cut that. <laughs> no, um, I'm not, I'm keeping that in, that's staying in. Um, it scares me with the head first in my neck. And you don't go head first, dumbass, you go hands like, first. Oh, well, see, I don't know what that means. Anyway, I, did, I never had swim lessons. Um, <laughs> Thank God swim's a skill so, in Sega Edition. Hey. Unless you implement my favorite house rule, no swim. <laughs> we're gonna get on the. We're gonna, yeah, we're no, no we're, water worlds ever. <laughs> not, we're gonna get on that it. later. That's yeah. that, that's not the house. Rule. Uh, so the first thing Nate wanted to ask us about uh, Swissy is pretty much the first thing I feel like a lot of players know us about Swissy is that healing is hard, especially at low levels. Um, this is not a system where you can pound back three health potions and be good after your fight with a dragon. Um, healing. Is, I mean, should I say ass? I don't know, because I actually love how hard it is to heal in Swissy. It, it feels, like, shockingly realistic for a D20 system where you can barely survive that brush with Stormtroopers, and then you're on your ass for a week while you heal. Like heal that, once a day with med packs, yeah. and then, you know, you gain, like, your level over 24 hours? Yeah, which, you know, at, at the level Nate's talking about, that's one HP when you have, like, in the neighborhood of 15 plus at that level. Oh, yeah. Which is just which... insane. You know, especially if you're not a super um, strong character or, or player class or anything like sc like scoundrels and scouts and nobles. Yeah. You're going to want to avoid combat. No, absolutely. And I think the way that since health points are so difficult to come by in the system definitely makes it more just feel more realistic in that way. Even yeah. Though Star Wars. <laughs> of course. And, and Nate, that was the that was the first point I wanted to make to you is that the combat is costly on purpose. Not only should combat cost your players perhaps their reputation, their ammunition, their other equipment, but it also costs them their health. And, you know, that's not something they're, they're going to be able to back, bounce back for as easily as you may have seen in 5th in edition. And pretty much just about every other system I've played, it's really no problem to just heal up once, once you've been through some well, shit. Well, so, 
you know, we, you and I have played Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yeah. And 2nd Edition has natural healing in a very similar way. It's much that, more powerful, though. Than, uh, that um, Sag Edition has. Yeah. Where it's, well, it's a quarter of your max HP or your con bonus, con score, whatever's higher, right? Is that what it is for that 2nd Edition? Uh, for, for Pathfinder 2E? Yeah. No, it's your, it's your con <clears throat> times, your con mod times your level. Oh, your con mod times yeah. your level. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking something else then. Yeah. Which uh, well, is like... So, Fifth edition is unique in that sense where you, the players in fifth edition are heroes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they're heroes, and they have hit dice. Yes, you spend hit dice on your short rests and stuff like that to gain more hit points. Uh, Sag edition does not have hit dice. Um, it has dice that you roll to when you level up to gain more hit points, but no, like I can't take a short rest and gain twelve more hit points and be fully up again afterwards. Yep. It's not that in Sag edition. Um, However, I do like the options for healing in Saga Edition. Yeah, me too. Uh, an excellent prestige class, Medic. Yes. I played a great Medic class you with did. a really good species combination. It was the, uh, there was like a, like a bird race. You were a bird. That, that have healing tiers that act as med packs ah, when you use them. Is it a, like a Feronian? Is that even the no, thing? I shouldn't have it. even tried. I don't know off the top of my head, but no. it's fine. We'll we'll probably do a build uh, breakdown oh, later on. That would be fun later yeah. on for for her that character. Um, and that that medic and just medics in general. That's kind of when healing worked a lot more. Like I've seen it in other systems. You were dishing out like you know you're handing out like twenty thirty HP like it was no problem. But I you have to spec into it. Yes, absolutely. And it's also a prestige class, so you're not until level seven or anything like that. Yes, pretty later on. Where, um, depending on your campaign, later in that area materials or like being having access to a surgeon is pretty easy you know if you're in a republic if you're in a an old republic setting or anything like that re- rebellion like high rebellion setting or empire even you'll yeah. definitely have sort of access to a surgeon and healers and stuff like that now there's other things there's definitely some earlier skill feats or anything like that that let you do healing without the medicine skill. Oh, was it survival, natural survival or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I was digging into um, other, because you mentioned medic, you know, it's a prestige class, that's not going to be accessible for these guys for a good long while. I was digging into non-medic sources of of um, of improving healing. Um, I was talking on the, this was to Discord with the folks there, and, and Little Literalist came up with some um, with some great options. I'm trying to find those now. Oh, I can't find that survival one, but I know what you're talking about. Isn't that like an Ewok species feature no, or something? No, it's not, because oh. we had a player have it in our uh, first game, yeah. That's right. Is it Battlefield it, Remedy? Oh, no, that's something different. Although Battlefield Remedy is good. That's a, a talent from the veteran talent tree. Uh, What's Battlefield like, Remedy do? Uh, you must be trained. I think this is a soldier talent. Uh, you must be trained and treat injury. Uh, you have learned a variety of different ways to treat combat injuries in the field. When you succeed on a treat injury check to administer first aid, the tended creature also moves plus one step on the condition track. Yes. That's good. And condition track is something that's very, uh, I, I particularly enjoy. In oh, the system yeah. So good. Some, there are some feats and character species traits, stuff like that, that let you avoid damage and just go down the condition track instead. Yeah. And with three swift actions to move back on the condition track, that's pretty good. Like, if you can save yourself like eight eight damage or anything like that early level, that's great. Yeah, that's half your HP. Could be. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to go down just to f- the all the ways you can heal in Swissy, and then we can talk about like some other class options. There. Yeah, of course. Cool. Um, I just I did all this research. <laughs> yeah, this you had this whole thing written research. up that I just completely ignored. You know, no big deal. Show notes are are schmo notes, as they say. Um, so uh. You're probably already familiar with a lot of these, Nate, but we're going to go ahead and, and just go over a few of them briefly. 
Um, after eight hours rest, uh, your a character gains HP equal to their character level, uh, unless they have a persistent condition. Uh, you're probably familiar with persistent conditions, Sam. I know you are. Um, a lot of hazards. Um, I think even maybe one or two creatures poisons dish them out. Radiation, um, and yeah, like that stuff. Like and you that. could consider a broken limb as a persistent condition. I have like thought that. about that a lot. I think I might have even done that once or twice. But yeah, any sort of grievous injury your your characters may have endured could easily be represented by a persistent condition. And I think any injury dealed out by Grievous could also be considered a persistent condition. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so persistent conditions, we'll get to those a little bit when we go into surgery, but those must be removed with, with surgery. And to do surgery, you must be trained in treat injury. Um, so that's probably the, I don't know, the most freebie way to get HP. But again, at, at level one, that's that's pretty rough. You're going to be resting for quite a few. That days. is like that is where I wish um, there was more downtime options. Yes, for Saga edition, and stuff like that. And I think that's that's one of the areas where they wanted like GMs to kind of fill it in. Yeah, absolutely. With shit like that. Well, if you're let's say you're a group of level one rebels and you're doing raids on an imperial world, you're not going to be doing raid consecutive raid after raid. Yep. You're going to get some materials, get some. Uh, Stuff like that, and just kind of lay low for a bit. Absolutely, it's the smart thing to do, and also gives you a chance to heal. Lick your fucking wounds. Lick your wounds, wildcat. So the next one, Nate, you also mentioned in your email. There's first aid, which does require a med pack to do. Uh, the text reads as the following: As a full round action, you could administer first aid to an unconscious or wounded creature. If you succeed on a DC 15 treat injury check, the creature regains a number of hit points equal to its character level plus one. <laughs> For every point by which your check exceeds the DC. Using a medical kit, this is another type of, of medical equipment, basically a super med pack, uh, grants a plus two equipment bonus on your skill check. If the skill check succeeds, the tended creature cannot benefit from first aid for 24 hours. You can administer first aid on yourself, but you take a minus five penalty when you do so. Um, so this is, first aid is really cool. Um, I do like that the points you roll over the DC translates straight into HP. Exactly. At especially higher levels, this can get juicy. Um, a level one character can take skill focus and start dishing out some pretty good first aid if they take skill focus Absolutely. and treat And stuff like, what's, what's cool about that versus other systems is that it's a fixed, it's one roll, yeah. right? Yes. I, I roll over 15, I get healing over equal to whatever I rolled over 15. Yeah. That's great. Uh, let's say 5th edition or Pathfinder 2e, I roll, and then I roll to see how much I heal. Yes. And it's like, well, you you succeeded on the on the heal, and now you rolled, and oh, you only rolled three ones on all, four, all three of those d4s. And even then, at, at higher levels, it would, you know, result in so much rolling, even though you were pretty much guaranteed to top everyone off. We just said, like, oh, fuck it. You remember your dwarf yeah. cleric. Yeah. Just like, our, our GM would say, don't, don't roll the HP. It, it, it works. We get <laughs> well, it. <laughs> That's definitely something, you know, especially if a player commits to healing yes. with, like, four feats that are all specifically about <laughs> healing and doing additional healing. I get it. And that's why I love the the medic class so much. The medic yes. talent tree, or, or I think it's the advanced medicine talent tree, yes. has feats where, has talents where it's like, uh, for every point over the DC, you heal two points of hit points instead of one. Stuff like that. Uh, next on here, you had long-term care. Yeah, this one is just another way, I think, for untrained folks to, to do their best and make the most of downtime. Uh, once every 24 hours, you tend to a creature for eight hours, and they regain HP equal to their level, in addition to any that they would gain from natural healing. Um, I, I imagine, like, the, you know, like, World War II nurses, like, ladling bone broth into a broken soldier's mouth as he 
rests on the cot. Or sitting in a back of the tank. Yeah, and... that too. Yeah, as long as you're ladling broth <laughs> yeah. into someone's mouth. That's, that <laughs> that was also... Ladling back to into someone's yeah. tank. <laughs> um, again, and if you are trained, you can do that for up to six creatures, which I, I always thought that's a nice little boon there. Yeah, definitely. You know, that includes the party and then maybe an NPC or two and stuff like that. Yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. Very cool. Uh, next up is surgery. Uh, there's two flavors of surgery, I guess, in Saga Edition. I've wrote down one here. The other one is to remove persistent conditions. It requires very little explanation. You can look it up on the wiki or the core rulebook yourself, too, if you need the nitty-gritty, but roll a die against a DC. If you succeed, the surgery removes the persistent condition. Instead of doing healing. Instead of doing... Oh, I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I'm wrong. I was thinking of installing cybernetic prosthesis or healing are the two flavors of surgery. The healing one also removes persistent conditions, as I will read now. Surgery. You must be trained and treat injury, and this requires a surgery kit. Which is different from a medical kit. Yes, different from a medical kit. But it doesn't get used up when you use the surgery. Correct. Unlike the medical kit. Yes, not a consumable item. Uh, you can make a DC-20 treat injury check to perform surgery on a wounded creature, healing an amount of damage equal to the character's constitution bonus, multiplied by the character's level. So we're kind of getting into that Pathfinder 2E style right now. If you fail the check, the creature instead takes damage equal to its damage threshold. If the creature was already at zero hit points, it dies. Unless it can spend a force <laughs> point to save itself. Um, that little tidbit alone, excellent opportunities for roleplay right there. And that's the heal damage application of the surgery. This is the heal the... damage version of surgery. The other one's for installing cybernetics. We're not going to get into that today because that's not... Quite relevant, but still worth looking into. Um, you can perform surgery on yourself to heal damage, but you take a minus five penalty to your skill check. Performing surgery to heal damage also removes any persistent conditions afflicting the target. So between surgery, long-term care, and natural healing, you're getting, what is that, like at level one... Three, four three to HP five a day, yeah. Not which, including the natural healing, yeah. Which this, you know, is going to equate to, you know, maybe four or five plus game days of just resting in a hospital. Which, you know, I don't know if you've ever been brought to the near brink of death in a street fight, Sam. I, I Lord <laughs> no, knows. I've never lost a street fight, Stephen. <laughs> that's I, of that's, course. That's, that's, a, that's true. Actually, yeah. <laughs> there's no false falsity there. I've never lost a street fight. <laughs> but if anyone's had a family member or friend that's been like seriously injured, they were in the hospital for a week or more at least. You know, this this is serious stuff. And I but, I, I think oh go but ahead, Stephen. Yeah, this is the Star War. My high fa high science fantasy system. Why <laughs> the healing takes so long? But there are different options that are more advanced that a lowly street thug like myself would not be able to have access Absolutely. to. Absolutely. We're talking about options available to a level one party yeah. here. Uh, the most basic of the basic. And even in Star Wars, we do see our, our heroes sustain some pretty spectacular injuries, but we also see them under quite a bit of medical care. I mean, Luke gets his hand cut off. How long is he out? Like a few weeks? I don't know. He looks like he was in that little bed for a while. Shit. Yeah, Tauntaun? He, he loses his fucking hand. Yeah. yeah. They give it back to him, but he did lose a hand. And he's on a super high, like... Medical frigate. Medical frigate. Yeah, like, the, probably the best access you could have. And um, don't even get me started on Vader. Oh. <laughs> Dude lost both legs and an arm and most of the skin on his face. And he still survives. So, but it's at the cost of being second in command of the entire galaxy. So 
I guess you can afford the the healthcare. Yeah. I don't know, what's the Medicare like in the Star Wars universe? Well, at Emperor Palpatine's medical like surgical center, which is like the the canon name for that place where they revived him. Um... Come on down to Palpatine's <laughs> yeah. medical sur- Palpatine Permanente. <laughs> wow, wasn't that a robot chicken bit? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, uh, honorable mention. Um, Bacta is extremely expensive. Probably only in the hands of the Empire. It's like the morphine. Of the yeah, Star Wars a, a few like like Echo Base we know has access to Bacta tanks. Um, and you know, depending on your era, access to Bacta is going to be very contentious. But when performing surgery, it adds an additional amount of HP equal to character level. So, is that worth it for the price? I don't know. Um, my first hunch is not quite, but if maybe you have a friendly doctor who's a little loose and goosey with his supply of Bacta, it's going to help you get back up on your feet even faster. So surgery, how long does surgery take? An hour, right? You know, I was looking and I couldn't find that. So I believe it's in the advanced medicine talent tree. Oh. Go check. Yeah, I can't find how long surgery takes. I would assume at least an hour, like a couple hours. I mean, we're talking about... Oh, wait. Wait, yeah. Got it. Uh, any of these operations require one hour of interrupted work, at the end of which time you must make a treat injury check. So surgery takes an hour. Yes. Yes. However, the medic does have medical secrets. That's what they're called. They're different oh, yeah. than the talents. They're like special feeds. <laughs> well, they're like four for... secrets, but for... They're like four secrets, but for medics. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're good. I mean, one of them, I believe, it makes the the surgery ten minutes instead of an hour. Which wow, is cool. That's yeah. impressive. I'm, I'm gonna I'm triple checking right now, but I'm pretty sure improved long. Nope, improved. So improved perform surgery. You can attempt a treat injury check to perform surgery in half the usual time. So thirty minutes. Wow. Instead of an hour, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. And but of course, those are going to be. Prestige class level, oh yeah, level eight outside the, the scope entirely of yeah. what a level one party has access to. Uh, I wanted to give an honorable mention but as well. High oh, level ahead. NPCs, yes. might have access to stuff like that. Of course, um, I did want to get into that just a little bit later, but um, the, I wanted to give honorable mention to the the vital transfer force power. Pretty good, pretty reliable way of healing. You can spend a force point so that it doesn't actually damage the caster using it. Nice in a pinch. Uh, dark transfer, more so about healing oneself, of course. Dark side force power gonna cost you a dark side point, but you can just <laughs> suck the health right out of your enemies. Maybe a little force vampire, a little, a little, a little force vampire. Fuck. Yeah, and uh, I think there's a few talents as well that improve dark transfer. I know I, I made a boss once that uh, made quite heavy use of dark transfer. Um, there's plenty of medical equipment um, that improves. You can look at this under the general equipment on the wiki. I believe most of it's in the core rulebook as well, in the Clone Wars source book. Um, there's a lot of medical equipment out there that makes treat injuries just easier checks to make uh plus two bonuses here and there and i think some other like very substantial stuff there's uh i think there's an old republic item where it's like a medical visor that gives you a plus two as well yes i know that's a very well regarded piece of equipment as well very popular yeah it's really that is also as a dm that's something where that's a cool concept yeah. And something I could homebrew into a different skill. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Um, a mechanical like a slicer visor. version yeah, of the slicer visor, visor or anything like that. I just think it's cool. It's you know, it, it it's this technology that they had in the Star Wars universe where it's like of course they would use it for other stuff other than just cert, like especially if it was it was more of an antique thing now yeah. from the old republic setting, yeah. then yeah, there might be different versions of it that have been modded to do other things. Uh but yeah, definitely general equipment's really good for 
doing treat injury checks and stuff like that. 100%. And the medic prestige class, of course. I uh, I have a few more words of advice for you, Nate. Just based on your email, you mentioned your your heroes are in some deep bantha poodoo. Um, just make sure you balance encounters carefully. Um, maybe introduce your party to a friendly medic or back alley doctor. Sam, you were kind of alluding to that earlier. Maybe it's time for the party to meet a friendly, not so friendly medical professional that is willing to help them out either the goodness of their heart or credits or and it both. Could, <laughs> and it could be a, a plot device. Absolutely. Well. You could send an entire quest on this the guy. The ex-Jedi who cut themselves off from the force has devoted their life to healing the sick. And you happen to stumble in with a blaster bolt wound to the chest. It's something like that. Exactly. Um, and maybe one day the stormtroopers come knocking on his door, and not only is the former Jedi under threat, but so is your most reliable source of heals. There you go. Now, twice as much reason to get involved. Exactly. Um, Nate also mentioned in the email, uh, Second Wind. We totally forgot. Oh, <laughs> my God. Wow. How did Second I do wind, all this? That's not... the one that's a quarter of your HP yes. or your con score, whichever is higher. Yes. Which is good. However, the caveat with Second Wind, you can only do it once per day, and only if your health is lower than half. Yes, though there are feats that improve this as well. I believe there's extra Second Wind, does what it says on the can, and then there's also, shit, what am I thinking of? Um, I think there's Improved Second Wind, there's where it also moves wind. you up one step on the condition trait. There's also species traits like Regenerative Healing, yeah. where instead of a Second Wind, you gain health over the rounds, which is really cool. Very I think useful. that's... Um, the the Bosk's race. I think Boss. What are the Trandoshans? Oh yes, Trandoshans. It's just Trandoshans, and yeah. I think maybe Wookies can get it. I might be wrong. Uh, I that, think it's just Trandoshans. That's so. a maybe. I know Rancors have it. Rancors. Have any it. any Rancor player characters out there? If you're playing, I would love to hear about a Rancor player character. That's uh, <laughs> like that's that's like. That's so if your bad. DM's letting you play a Rancor, is there room at the table for one more? Because yeah, yeah. I, no. <laughs> if, if your if your DM's letting you play a Rancor. How about, you want to be on the show? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll let you be on the show if you let me play as a rancor. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and my, my final word on advice of, on encounter design and combat lethality and healing, heed Ben Kenobi's words. There are alternatives to violence. Yeah, like to, like completely leaving them for dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> arms mi- an arm missing, both legs missing, and abducting their children. <laughs> Just like Ben Kenobi. Yeah, but no, what, what I mean... <laughs> When does he say they're all? Where does he say that? They're. It's a really good scene. It's when they're first being uh, tractor beamed into the Death Star after they arrive at the, the asteroid field that used to be Alderaan. I think Han or Luke says something about. I think Han's like, "It's gonna get real messy," and Ben's like, "Remember, there are alternatives to violence, like sneak attacking them when they <laughs> when they climb on board and stealing their clothes." And I'll go to I'll go turn off the tractor beam. Like, what the fuck kind of sentence is? There are alternatives to violence. I can think of every opportunity in Star Wars canon where Kenobi has chosen violence instead of other things. When when Maul like fucking confronts Kenobi at the end of Rebels, or like it's like halfway through Rebels or something like that, and then Obi Wan. Fucking kills him instantly. Like Maul is definitely a decrepit old man who yeah. you might be able to convince to stop his his like revenge plot. But no, Obi Wan just fucking kills him. I don't know, dude. Like, could I don't think I think Obi Wan had given up trying to convince Maul at that point. I mean, he's only spent the entire Clone Wars trying to convince well, so, Maul. To... But remember, Maul had just seen the Maul and Ezra just had a whole little thing with the holocron. Yeah, where they see the future. Yeah, and they. Here they find out about Luke and Leia. Yeah, and so and so Maul finds Kenobi, and like Kenobi's just like die, and then he's like, "What is he true? Is he the chosen one?" He's like, "Yeah, uh, you're dead though, so you're not going to see that shit happen." Okay, <laughs> you're editorializing just a little bit here. 
It wasn't that Maul walked up to Kenobi and was like, hey, buddy, long time no see. He, like, triple front flipped, like, death spinned at him across the sand. Obi-Wan acted entirely in self-defense. <laughs> I, I just feel like in his age, I feel like Obi-Wan probably would have been like, hey, you've tried this twice and it's failed both times. I think he says something along those lines. But uh, Sam, when a horned monster with metal legs and a double-sided lightsaber is spinning at you through the that desert That horned night, monster is 80 years old, Steven. <laughs> he can barely... <laughs> he has a fucking cane when we first see him in Rebels. I, I love... Uh, man, we talk about the, the Maul episodes in Rebels a yes. lot. But they're really good episodes. They are good episodes. Why. They make the whole series worth it, 100%. And the Thrawn ones, too. I'm a uh, big... Thrawn, I started the Thrawn trilogy. Best three characters in Rebels. Thrawn, Maul, and... Uh, Captain Rex. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Ahsoka. Not a single cast. Member. I was gonna say they're all they're all Clone Wars characters. Yeah, well. Um, although I like um, everyone except Ezra is awesome. <laughs> like everyone knows that. Yeah, Kanan's great. Kanan's awesome. Great... Hera's great. Uh, Sabine's Sabine fucking has great. A, yeah. She's... Um, the, the purple guy. Uh, his name is. I'm, I'm giving Sam the most like guilty look right now. I feel bad for you. Don't remember the Lutz, little Saw character's name, Steven? You remember the Lassat character's name? I liked that he looked like the Chewbacca concept art. Yeah, um, that was like the that, point. That right? was the point, yeah. They didn't want him to be a Wookiee, yeah. which I enjoy because they definitely... Yeah, he like probably was going to be a Wookiee at one point, and I'm really glad he was not. They uh, they, um, they gave him sort of like, hey, his... here's a new species in the Star Wars canon. Yeah, he has his own And deal. they're kind of rare because they've been kind of all slaughtered Genocided, by... yeah. Was it by the Empire or was it yeah, by... Yeah, the, the Empire straight up... Okay, like that, that makes sense because I was I, ever since playing Fallen Order, I was like, his fucking masters of Lasat, and like the first I've heard of this this fucking race was in Rebels. No, I'm pretty sure the Empire like glassed their planet. That was like the whole deal. They used um the disruptor uh, they, rifles. They did that, use the one disruptor. that Mandalorian the Mandalorian yeah, uses? Yeah, wow, shit, that's right. Wow, <laughs> it all ties together. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's like poetry. Um, but yeah, by by what I <laughs> to bring us back to what I mean by they're all alternatives to violence. Uh. Give your players the way out to talk their way out of it, if you haven't already. Um, just make sure your players understand that they don't got to shoot everything, because obviously if they try, uh, as we discussed, they'll they'll be dead pretty quick. Yeah, hubris is the number one uh, TPK cause, actually. Always. <laughs> always. Hubris. <laughs> um, you asked about healing house rules that, that us, us vets use, in your own words, Nate. Um, I have none of my own. I've never felt the need to. Um, I think... In my the the biggest campaign I've run, I had a pretty liberal misunderstanding of the healing rules, and I let you guys get away. I think I did quite a few first aids without med packs, even yeah, right, like besides even though that med packs are yeah. required for first aid. Yeah, I definitely have played fast and loose with that. That was my not mistake, but like that that was just the vibe at the time. Um, I think if I was to implement any house rules for healing, one would probably be I had it. I had it there for a second. I know there's folks it. out there itching to tell us their house rules. I'm, well, for I'd love to hear about And it. I'd love to hear about those. Uh, I would probably say stuff like, oh, you know what? House rule for healing. Just an idea. I don't know if you'd be into it or not. Yeah. But as long as, it, as it's once per day, doing a second wind while not at half HP. Oh, yeah. I actually, like, you're right. I have seen that one around. any health down. Like, yeah. As, as, as long health. as you only do it once in that day, you can still do the second wind. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that's a good one i think that's and that's an adjustment that's going to make i don't think that's going to break any game i did people are so sensitive about balance sometimes there, but i don't think if that's, there is a feeder talent that makes second wins doable without being at less less than half hp i got gotta be one there right might be if there is then what i would do is 60 percent. yeah 60 percent hp or less like if i have 100 hit points and i have 51 hit points 
and a fucking crit from the big bad would kill my character right there. Like, you're the DM's gonna let me use with a fucking second wind. It's fifty. That's one hit point more than I would have normally. Yeah, yeah. Like your DM's gonna let you. It's just one of those things where, oh, uh, well, unless your DM doesn't let. You. If your DM's a real l- rules lawyer in that sense, where it's like ah, uh, less than half HP, you're at half exactly. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, it's not gonna work. I'm just like okay, we'll talk about this. Well, all right. If you have problems with your DM. Uh, don't talk about it during the session. Bring it up afterwards. Definitely that bring it up afterwards. The number one piece of advice that, as and as a DM to your players as well, if there's a problem with one of your players, don't drop everything and talk about it. It or, can wait. Or if your player is itching to talk to you about it, be like, "Hey, I understand that this is a big thing for you right now. After the session, we'll talk about it. But as of right now, I'm going to rule it this way. Yeah, anything like that. Absolutely. And even even if I think the number one way to solve stuff at the table is communication. Yeah. It's just in general. 100%. I don't think you need to, like, um, actually, your your weapon that you just got breaks apart in your hands, and you can't use it now, uh, because it's overpowered. And and it's just like, don't don't give an in-universe reason to be mean. Yeah. To be an asshole. Don't like, justify don't your mean actions that you know are mean with uh, convenient storytelling elements. Um, now, if you can come up with something with your player that ends up being a convenient storytelling element... Then and it's good storytelling. Go for it. Yeah. And I think there was. Did you have an example something like that where someone was overpowered and we wrote it into the? There was. So this was actually really interesting. This one kind of came about on its own. Um, we had that gray Jedi in our mm-hmm. party who was using a great lightsaber. Yes. We missed that final little eight words of text at the end of the the great lightsaber uh, entry that if. A medium creature is wielding one. They cannot use like any feats or talents related to a lightsaber, something along those lines. And this character was especially known for her great lightsaber. It was an iconic part of the character that we had all come to love. So we, you know, it was kind of a weird, heartbreaky, strange situation um, with uh, with, with this character because now she couldn't use her iconic weapon. And you know, I I I felt that 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 was just and, and balanced because it was like. Gosh, like three d ten or something based yeah, damage. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> um, and and so I got with the player, and I was like, "Hey, you know, what do you what do you want to do about this? I'm gonna follow the rules as written on this weapon. You know, what would be the thing you would want to see that that would make it feel fair?" And um, I don't think he actually got back to me on that ever. He, I think he was a little indecisive. Didn't we? Didn't we? I want to say Wookie Grip came into play, or like the feet where it lets you. Like, you took a fee or something like that? No? No, was it just... no, it was forced disarm, baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to bring him up yet again, Ashrod Het yes. attempted to force disarm this character and rolled well enough to actually break the lightsaber. There we go. <laughs> and that was like the week or two after we found out that this lightsaber wasn't going to work for the character. And, um, and then it just kind of came about naturally. The dice... Resolve that one for us. Uh, I was lucky because I didn't really have to make a call. Um, <laughs> Bad example, then. <laughs> I guess, I guess. Uh, yeah, but um, that that character ended up picking up instead of dual phase and was able to fulfill pretty much the exact same niche, just with a smaller hit to damage. Uh, and and that, that dual phase kind of, kind of began to fill its own iconic role. But yeah, um, I guess what I could have done in that situation been like, hey, you know, a player, I'm going to break this lightsaber in this next boss fight and so just be ready for that and you know they would be able to protest it as much as they want thank god we have players that are not insufferable our friends are are excellent players uh they they truly are um shall we move on to the next uh topic here absolutely great uh the next topic nate wanted to know about was crafting is there even such a thing 
or is it just mods, he says. I'm glad you asked, Nate. Uh, this is actually a very interesting kind of corner of the system. Uh, the Force Unleashed campaign guide introduces build object rules that give you... I won't go into them now, because they're actually quite... Uh, convoluted is unfair to say, but there's a lot of tables. <laughs> um, it gives you a great framework for building objects based on their size and their complexity determined by the Game Master. Um, I think this sort of implies, like, general equipment to kind of build items. It's very much for, like, building general equipment. Um, it's not meant to give you an edge over equipment you could buy normally. For example, there's no system in place for a thermal detonator you craft your on your own to be better than one you could purchase. The system even tells you that the parts to build an object are going to cost the same as the item would normally. Yeah. Um, I think it's more of a restriction thing. Absolutely like, yeah. correct. Uh, the time it's come up in my campaigns, I had a, a lovely session that was kind of more, uh, more I guess, episodic, a little more crime-oriented, I guess. Um, and the players wanted to build a set of surveillance equipment to spy on this. I think he was like a, like a, a wealthy droid manufacturer, like Tycoon. Um, and the planet they were on had strict rules against civilians uh, owning and, and using such equipment. So they were like, fuck it, we'll, we'll build our own. Um, and that was pretty fun. Um, it's a lot of dice rolling. Um, players I've found, I love just rolling dice and adding numbers like to a total. The players I were with were a little more casual. I don't think they really enjoyed it all that much. I think maybe they would have liked a more kind of cinematic describing them, finding the parts and punching them together. But I um, think it really comes down to whether your players like rolling dice or not. Yeah. And, and this is, there's going to be a lot of dice rolling. You're filling, basically you roll a die roll a D8 and then fill in a health pool. And then once the health pool is filled, you have your crafted item. So my question, were you rolling the dice or were your players? Rolling I was letting my players roll the dice. Okay. Well, uh, that's good. Because yeah, it was, it was their <laughs> mechanic skill checks. Um, yeah. that, that's all what it's okay, based good, on. Yeah. Good. Um, I think that stuff like that pairs really well with the outlaw tech or any mods and stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like what's the dual gear. Is yeah. that a mod? Dual gear is a, a mod. Yeah. So you have to have outlaw tech or tech specialist mm -hmm. to do that. You don't need tech specialists to use mods or dual gear. Really? Yes, that's correct. Mod, to, mods are available to anyone no matter what. You just have to pay for the mod. Yeah, tech specialist it. grants you access to those special kind of improvements okay. that are exclusive to tech specialists. Totally. So not, not, what are those called? Those are just called tech specialist feats, right? right. They're, it's just like, I don't know, upgrades. Tech specialist upgrades. upgrades yeah. So tech specialist upgrades versus mods. So as a player, could I build a mod a mod modification for an item or no i would say yes okay, um I, so... mods are equipment um and they uh have i don't think they have health pools but it could be done pretty easily i think if it does if uh well actually a size of an object again this is where we get a little complicated the build object rules assign health pools health totals to sizes based or to objects based on their size so you could absolutely, I think I have done that where you have self-manufactured mods that you use and install on your weapons. And, and that's, that's fun. That's, that's scrappy as all shit. That's the exact kind of stuff I love. Um, the build object rules do specify it. This is not how you can build a droid. There are, there's no way rules as written to build a droid, the Lanny on Tatooine yeah. style. I think that's criminal. Personally, I, I hate that there's no, not even in scavenger's guide for droids. Is there a detailed nice way of building your own droid uh, from scrap. Well, so if I was going to do it, mm -hmm. how would you as a DM... Well, I have an idea. Yeah, what's your I idea? I want to hear if you think this would be a good idea. Okay. Uh, different droid systems yeah. have a cost, right? Yes. And, you know, if you're building objects, health pool, there's your health pool right there, is the cost of those items and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, depending on... I, 
I would probably rule against players creating heroic droids. Probably can't do that. Um, it would definitely be a non-heroic, non-heroic thing. Level. Yeah. Maybe like a follower feat. It would, yeah. yeah. I would probably do like like a what's, isn't the follower is talents where you gain followers, right? Yes. So I'd probably create like a like a skill. Well, there's also those set of rules in the Scavenger's Guide to Droids that where droid companions kind of act a little bit more like advanced equipment. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like the, with yeah, with the system system operator rules, right? Or I like, I think that's what it's called. But it, it basically, you, there's still, a, uh, system actions. System, system actions. actions. Yeah, I would probably let them do something more like that. Make an astromech that can you know do a few great things that are useful. Um, but I like where you're going with that, where you do build object on the multiple constituent parts of a droid, and then maybe when you have all your parts together, I throw in a high DC mechanics check at the end um, that takes you a couple days to solder everything together and Absolutely. switch it on. I, I think that's actually, that's probably the best solution I've seen in that problem. Um, vehicles aren't exactly suitable for build object rules either. Um, which is weird. Which because... is weird also. Um, again, that's going to be more of a thing that's going to probably handle more on the role play end where you talk about the weeks, months on end. The Starship Designer feat kind of hints at a, a, how this might work. So, hmm, I'm thinking about it in a way, vehicles have health. Yes, they do. So, they do potentially have a health pool you can roll into. They do. You'll just be rolling uh, build time. objects skills probably hundreds of times. Well, I was thinking more like a speeder. Or yeah, like that. those are yeah. definitely more feasible. Absolutely, that's something you can build have, in your garage. Like, Eighty hit points. I, I wouldn't around know. there. No clue off the top of my head, but you're probably I'm right. Sure. Probably less than hundred. But something like that, where the what I would put on the players was would be you'd have to have the tools and have the location to do something. You like need that. a full blown garage. Yeah, you need a garage, yeah. and mm-hmm. then it would probably be a harder DC or something you can only do with the skill focused uh, mechanics. Maybe handle it like how you had the droids where I make up four constituent parts of the speeder and then you solder them together. They all have a quarter of the hit points. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably be a pretty fun way to do it. I think. Yeah. I can Um, totally see something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's what we have for crafting in Swissy. Um, not really a lot like other crafting systems. Um, but it's what we got. And as you can probably tell, it's bare bones, but flexible, like most of the systems in this game. Crafting in tabletop games uh, requires you to have a lot of kind of guidelines for players, yeah. which players don't usually like guidelines. No. So, which is why there's very loose kind of rules for stuff like that, like health pools and rolling skill checks into those pools. And even with other systems, a lot of it just comes down to the player tells you what they want. Yeah. And then as a DM, you just say yes or no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds like something you can do at your level or maybe not, not so the next level or no, that's complete. No, you can't have a droid that wields, that builds lightsabers. Yeah. And builds lightsabers until the world is all comprised of just lightsabers, like the paperclip robot. Have yeah. You ever heard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think about your party's capabilities and then make a fair judgment call from there. It's like, of course you can't build a droid that can build something that you can't build because you can't build that thing. Damn right. <laughs> Um, about mods, um, mods are awesome. I happen to be a big fan of mods. I'm, I'm always been like a customization guy. I love just piecing shit together and the system makes it really easy to really make your, your weapons your own. Um, interesting contrast to how Swissy usually handles weapons, you know, uh, D and D and Pathfinder, very equipment focused systems. Um, my, uh, human fighter was nothing without his plus three greater striking sword. And that goes for just about any martial class in, in any of those systems. Swissy is not really like that where, you know, your rifle is pretty much going to be your rifle, levels 1 through 20. This gives you some flexibility, and, and I think it's quite fun. Um, so there was equipment upgrades that were introduced in Scum and Villainy. All equipment, uh, unless otherwise specified, 
has one upgrade slot. There are ways to gain more, such as stripping a piece of armor. Um, there's You can make a weapon exotic to grant it a, uh, a weapon slot. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do. Check it out on the Wikia or in the Scum and Villainy book. Um, there's a plethora of great options for weapons, armor, and just general equipment. Dual Gear is a, is a fan favorite. Sam mentioned where you can say Dual Gear a... God, what's the Star Wars word for flashlight? Um, Torque? Glow Rod. Glow Rod. You can Dual Gear a Glow Rod on your wait, pistol. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the Star Wars word for flashlight? Yeah, it's a glow rod. You've seen them, right? It's like a handle with a vertical stick that projects light in a forward no. fashion. I thought glow rod meant like like, like a glow those, stick, like a survival glow stick. No, where it's like, are you serious? Yes, <laughs> look, look up Star Wars glow rod. You'll see what I'm talking about. It is a large vertical pole with lights on the front of it. Um, very, very fun. I also envisioned a glow stick, but that is absolutely not what it is. It's a proper flashlight. They do call them light sticks and flashlights, though. Okay. The Wiki- Wikipedia has, uh, claims that they still call them light sticks and flashlights. Great. You can call them flashlights all you want. They they look like um, if if you're into Lego, they look like I've got like a lightsaber Lego oh, piece, yeah. and then like a little cone, like a clear cone piece on top of yes, it. Yes, <laughs> precisely. Um, but yeah, uh, flashlight on your gun. Who doesn't like that? Um, there's all, there's like cheaters that like help you help you cheat at card games, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, there's also, um, starship modifications in starships of the galaxy that are specific to starships and their, uh, various subsystems. Those again, could be a whole episode on their own. Uh, if they're relevant to your campaign, absolutely go look those up because they're super cool. I, can you just, can you just give me like a quick little breakdown on how, so starships have emplacement points. How do yeah. those work? Because I didn't do any of that stuff because yeah. I didn't have a ship in our campaigns. But I kind of have the general idea. If you could just kind of go over it, the basics for starship modification. Yeah, points. of course. So it's it's a little interesting how they handled it. Um, there's a list of what types of ships have what number of emplacement, emplacement points. points. Yeah. And then exceptions to those are, I think, like always on the ship's stat block. Um, it gets a little hazy sometimes, especially when you're like talking, I think like the emplacement points on a star destroyer, like, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I, that will very few campaigns where that will be relevant. Um, so emplacement points, you spend those to much like upgrade slots. Okay. As Yeah. It's basically the same thing as the upgrade slots for equipment. Um, you spend them, they represent the ship's capacity to handle upgrades, uh, power systems, open space, things like that. And you can also gain um, emplacement points like you would on a, on a piece of equipment for upgrade points. You can By uh, stripping... Stripping cargo space. Okay. Oh, so yeah. just cargo space? Or there's like... There's another way, If I downgrade a hyperdrive, can I get more emplacement points or no? Yes, because I think faster hyperdrives take up more emplacement points. Okay, I, I didn't know that. So yeah. thank, thank you. I'm glad that we could kind of talk about it's that a It's really bit. cool. Um, I recommend skimming the, the Starship modifications page. I mean, the page makes it seem more intimidating than it is. It... Like... <laughs> like... Many parts of Saga Edition, yes. It is very difficult to read, implementing pretty easy, especially if you, you know, take your time, be patient with yourself and your players. Um, Starship mods are great. I know many players who just adore that. Um, and separate from mods, there's also many cool weapon and armor templates. These are more for the game master to apply to, like, bear with me, loot. Um, like, oh, you find a cool gun and it has the Arcanian weapon template or something like or that. Or antiquated or Mandalorian. Yeah, or... stuff They're like that. They're cool because they give bonuses to items while also providing sort of a detriment. I think my favorite use of weapon or ship templates was you did experimental. 
Yes. Uh, we had yes. the, in our campaign uh, an experimental version of the A-Wing. An early A-Wing, yes. And it was so cool because it had the malfunctions. That which... thing was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably not worth flying, to be honest. But oh, it... <laughs> I think it was. I mean, you remember that one encounter where we had our pilot in the A-Wing taking uh, tight defenders out in that in the cage in the Maw, and then the party was sprinting Dual through thing, that. Like diff- yeah. multiple phases of a combat encounter. Mm-hmm. Not Steven just jerking himself off over there. Uh, combat encounters where one player does cool starship stuff and the rest of the players do ground like a ground assault and it's all in system and it all works it all works on the same initiative track this is actually i can't take credit for the idea because it's in the core rule book as a suggestion uh a split screen encounter uh have some players in ships have some players on the ground um it's fun and it works it was very fun great uh that's all i've got to say about mods again like I, I keep saying for each of these these could probably all be their own separate distinct episodes we could talk about equipment customization for a whole episode but there's a lot out there already and it's worth looking into and templates aren't really something players should really have access they to. don't need to players don't need to worry about templates those are totally like a game master thing but as and, a dm uh, it's 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 a cool way to like you said randomize absolutely. loot or yeah. make anything seem cooler Just for story reasons or anything like that more li- than likely your players are inundated with the generic equipment in the system blaster pistols blaster rifles uh light armor stuff like that it's nice to just throw something a little shinier in there for a change. And Absolutely. I like that. Absolutely. And I agree. If anyone has any more input on equipment and modifications, I'm sure you do. Please let Email us know. Us, let Write us, us know. in. Um, we, we will talk about this until our vocal cords uh, go dry and fall out, crumble to dust. I'd like to thank everyone again, because this is kind of where this is the sort of little self-promotion, shameless Absolutely. Look at my body. Look at me go. Ooh, kind of section ooh, of the podcast. Oh, <laughs> please! If you haven't, definitely check out the Star Wars Second Edition wiki. Yes, great place to go find any information. Swse.wikia.com. Absolutely, great community. There's links to the Discord on there, so you can enter the Discord and ask people questions there. They also organize games through the Discord, so if you're looking to play or if you're looking to GM, definitely that's the place to go. There's also the second edition subreddit, which is great as well. Lots of helpful people on there. Oh yeah, very active. But don't don't go there first. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can go there first. That's where we're gonna post every episode. Ends up going up on there as well. Yes. You know, you can check us out on Twitter at the at Dark Times S W S E and and that's pretty much the only place we are at right now. We have a Patreon, not really anything there yet. Yeah, we need I to get on the saga continues. We haven't gone yeah, over there yet. Yeah, it's a forum apparently. Yeah, that's I, like the successor forum to the old Watsi boards before they shut them down. Well, I'm not really a forum person, but I'll definitely I'm, look into it. I'm not much of a forum guy either, but it's it'll be it's worth getting over there. I think yeah. there's well, some great minds who live. Well, then definitely check that out too. Yeah. A lot of good people over there doing. They've been doing this stuff longer than we have. Oh, so sure. long, man. <laughs> so long. But no one does it. We uh, we haven't done it the best, but we've done it first in certain ways. As in, po- well, not even in a podcast. We're, we're not actually. the first Swissy podcast. We're the current Swissy podcast, we're the baby. Current Swissy podcast. There was a. Did you see on the subreddit? There's an actual play podcast posting there. Yeah. So cool. Shout out to other podcasts about SAG Edition because we love it. That's what it's about. It's all about just promoting the system and getting ways for people to enjoy the Star Wars universe in a way they might not have thought about doing previously. Absolutely. So there's there's definitely live play Star Wars podcasts out there. We've talked about, I think Rolled One was one of them. Rolled and, One. And you can listen to the early uh, early Order 66 podcast if you like. They, they were talking about SAG Edition for a while. Yep. Um, definitely a little more out of date in the humor department. Oh, yeah. Do, do Keep in mind, if you seek out the Order 66 podcast, it was started in 2007. And they talk like RPG nerds in 2007. Yeah, so white. 
Texan even. Texan. Oh, she's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there's uh and also I don't know if you saw on the should subreddit. We, should recently. we keep that in? I'm, I might keep that in. Uh, also on the subreddit, there was stuff about another live play podcast. It's called We We Shot First Star Wars Live Play Podcast. It's on there as well. Yeah. Shout out to them. Yeah. You hey. know? Reach out to us. Let's if, be friends. Yeah, and if you don't shout us out on your podcast, you're bad people. I'm just just putting that out there now. We did it first, so uh, your balls in your court, baby. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Steven's making like, oh my god, can you say this on podcast TV? Like, I don't, I don't know. All right, we're back, Steven, and I've got a build. You've got I've a build. Got a build. You've got a build this time. Yeah, I know you were ready. For with a build and everything. I so wasn't. <laughs> I know we talked about how you were so hyped to bring this build, but fuck your build, I've got a build. And this build is a level 7 build. At least level 7. Yes. Oh. Level 7 Duros Scoundrel Soldier. I know this guy. By the name of Dradlosh. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, this was for a one shot our friend Emmy ran. Uh, shout out to Emmy. Hey, because- hi, Emmy. <laughs> You're not going to hear this. They'll never listen to this. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we didn't um, even. Maybe try. someday. Maybe someday. Maybe like five years down the line, Emmy will listen to it and get the shot. That would out. be hilarious. <laughs> Jad Losh is a scoundrel, first level scoundrels, six levels in, sh- in soldier. And the way the way this build works is it's about two feats. There's one feat called combat reflexes, which we touched upon. I believe, in episode one or two. Yeah, both, They I blended think. it together. Yeah. <laughs> Combat reflexes is equal to your dex mod. You can take that many attacks opportunity in a round. Um, and equal to your dex mod. So I've got dex 20 for a level 7 character with point buy. Pretty easy to get. Yeah. Plus 5 dex. I have 5 um, attacks opportunity per round. Also have the feat Return Fire, which we talked about, I believe, last time as well. Yes. Return Fire is great because uh, if... Uh, someone misses you with a shot, you can return fire, and as an attack opportunity, attack it, uh, shoot at them. Pew pew! Which, combined with combat reflexes feet, you can do that five times per encounter. Total. Whereas opposed to normally, it's just be one. Also, what he has is the a talent, draw fire. Which means as long as I don't have cover, I can make a persuasion check against uh, enemies' will defense. And if I succeed against all their will defense, they can only attack me within six squares of other uh, players, which is really cool. So the the here's the uh, here's the rub, Stephen. For this one, it's I'm Dradlosh. I'm a soldier. I I'm in a warehouse. My 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 uh, combatants, players, friends, allies are in cover. I'm out of cover. I make fun of all their moms, and then they shoot at me, and they miss, and I shoot right back. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it's good. So great. Potentially, well, the thing with soldier. Is you get a pretty good dex depending on, on uh how how your dex is and what your level or armor is. I don't have an armor bonus for this character, mm-hmm. but high enough levels of soldier you get sort of um armored defense, and and I think improved armor defense is the one where it adds half your level and the armor bonus to your reflex. Yes, instead of either or, which is what it usually is. Yes, it's so good. So imagine. You know, I've got a reflex of 24 for a level 7 character. It's not bad. Not, nothing too crazy. No. Against level 1 stormtroopers, it's pretty good, lethal. you know? They're it's not lethal. hitting you for They're sure. not hitting me. So, I'm surrounded by stormtroopers. I make fun of their moms. They shoot me. They miss. I shoot back. I kill them all in one round. Um, 
this build is more about just taking shots when I'm not supposed to take shots. <laughs> Pretty buttery smooth, you know. They I've always just been obsessed with attacking out of my turn because that's just fun in any game, no matter what you're playing. I'm glad because I also have the talent advantageous opening. Oh which yeah, is the only thing that the first level scoundrel was for was for the talent advantageous opening. Well, what does that one do? That one is every time a player or enemy rolls on that one within my line of sight, I can make a shot. <laughs> Just a beautiful, beautiful it is thing. My favorite part about the system is stuff like that. Um, I, the scoundrel has a lot of good luck-based talents and feats. Uh, stuff where if you roll a nat twenty, you get an immediate extra attack. That's awesome. Extra standard action, I believe. That's that's so cool. Yeah. And then there's also if you roll a sixteen or above, you can treat that as a nat twenty as a scoundrel talent as well. And stuff like advantageous opening, where if anyone rolls a nat one, you get a shot off. And I can't tell you how many times that has come in handy for five i guess five percent of the time right <laughs> yeah and, and sure you know maybe it's not optimal you know and that one doesn't happen every day but fuck it's fun it happens at you know if your allies roll nat ones at pivotal moments you kind of make up for that you it's something you it know is, it's, it's, it it's more than just like, a humiliating loss that a nat one can sometimes and, constitute and can i tell you the feeling i get when a player rolls a nat one and then my character rolls a nat 20 in response to that nat 1. Oh, yeah. It is incredible. Electrifying. It is so, it's so good. I just love stuff like that. And so there, I've got that. And then this character also has attack combo ranged, which is very good for this build. Because if I make more than two attacks in a round, ah. every attack afterwards has an extra die of damage. I believe that's what it is, right? I think so. It might be worth checking. Because those, those combo uh, feats are, are not simple. Either, it's either a plus one or an extra die of damage. And I, I think it's an extra die. I think you might be right. I do want to check, though. We're nothing on this podcast if not scrutinable. We're screwed. Screwed. Screwed, screwed away. Screw. We're screwed. <laughs> we're screwed. Uh, attack combo ranged. If you hit a single target with... Oh, a single target. With two consecutive ranged attacks during the same turn, any additional range attacks you make until the end of your next turn including attacks of opportunity and attacks made as reactions, deal plus one die of damage on a hit. This extra damage stacks with extra damage granted by other feats and talents. So, Steven, um, yeah, I know you said, you said against a single target. A single target. But that's only for the first two attacks. Yes. Which is why this character also has double attack. Yes. Double attack rifles, you know, I take two shots off, and then... For the rest of the round, if anyone attacks me, because I'm probably using my swift action to, to, to draw fire. Yeah. Anyone attacks me, I attack back with 4D. I believe I used a. It's not on the my character sheet here, but uh, repeating blaster carbine, which I want to say is 3D8 and then 4D8 with attack combo range. Yep. It's just it's such a good fun build. Um. I I love it, and then quick draw. You know, make it easier to pull. Pull the build out. Uh, point blank shot, which is I think is a must have I think for you, early level players. I think it's a straight up a starting feat for scoundrels. Yeah, but yeah. You get, so you get plus one uh, damage and plus one to hit within twenty squares. Which yeah, is pretty yeah. That's, good. I mean, most of virtually all your encounters are going to be close to point blank range, if not at point blank range. Absolutely. And I also had. Let me just pull this up here. Jad Losh also has the feat uh, Spring the Trap. Which is if all your if all your allies roll higher initiative than all the opponents, then you get a surprise round, and that is just rad. Because surprise round, we talked about this, we touched about this uh, in a previous episode, but surprise round is so useful in the system. It just definitely adds to the whole like 
rebels doing guerrilla warfare kind of thing Absolutely. with how helpful surprise round is. Because every player getting a standard or a move action for a surprise round, it's great. For free, before for free. the enemies even act. Absolutely. Before they even are aware of you. And there's definitely a lot of stuff that can add to that. So Jad Launch has draw fire, right? Which works with characters, uh, allies within six squares, right? Yes. He also has the feat Comrade in Arms. I believe it's a sorry, it's a talent from the Trooper Talent Tree, Comrades in Arms, which he gets a plus one to melee and range attacks as long as he has comrades within three squares. Oh, nice! Definitely, I I just think the build works. He likes his buddies. He likes his buddies, his friends, his comrades, his business associates. In this case. Uh, that sounded less like Jad Losh and more like the guy who plays um, Alfred in most Batman movies. Oh, yeah. Um, Sean Connery. Not Sean Connery. Oh, no. Shit. <laughs> Sean Connery is the James Bond of oh, yeah. that one. Um, no, it's the guy. Master Wayne. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you mean. I, um, I know what he looks like, but I don't know his name. Oh, his name's uh, Greg Gregson. Greg Gregson? Yeah, it says yeah, Greg right here. Gregson, yeah. Thanks, Steven. I'm glad you pulled that up. <laughs> <laughs> so stuff like that. Um, being level seven, your access, no, no prestige classes yet. So not yet. there's not really anything I haven't built up upon this since then, but it's a very good one shot character. Absolutely. Like a good one shot build. It's also got weapon focused rifles, which gives you a plus one to attack with rifles. And that's it, right? It's just another plus one. Yes. Yes. It's yes. not plus two or plus five. Or no, it's a plus one, and it, it's a prerequisite for a lot of other nice weapon talents and I think and it can, attack combo ranged probably is the one. I think so. I, I know, like, pretty much every weapon specialist talent also requires weapon focus. Uh, weapon attack combo does not require. Oh, um, double attack. Oh, double attack. Double attack yes. definitely requires yes. weapon focus. And, you know, I, I think it was a fun character to play. Oh, it certainly enjoyed was. It. Uh, he also had, I think when I, I think we leveled up after the session or something like that, and he had, um, there's the feat that lets you react twice to the same trigger, and I remember using it incorrectly. We used it incorrectly. Quite a bit. I don't remember what it was. I stopped using it after I found out that I used it incorrectly. This, the name escapes me. Is it like quick, Double trigger or something like quick that? Reaction or, or... Quick reaction? Rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. That's the one. We figured it out, Stephen. Yeah, rapid reaction. Definitely. Uh, it's that one's cool because it lets you do multiple reactions to the same trigger. Two different but they reactions can't be to the, the same, same reaction, trigger. which nope. doesn't work with return fire. Nope. But lets you do other things. Or yeah. Like that. Yeah. I I'm sorry, Stephen. That wasn't really as big of a or as intensive of a build breakdown as you have brought in the past. Well, I mean, my last one wasn't terribly in depth either. Yeah, it's fair. it's okay. We talked like about characters it. we enjoy. Yeah, and you talked about that synergy with um, draw fire and return fire, which is fun as all shit. It's really good if you've got a high charisma, high dex character, anything like that. I think if I was going to go forward, I'd probably maybe even dip into some sort of charlatan levels or anything like that. I don't know if I have the prereqs for that because with one shot characters, if they're pre-builds or like up to a certain level. It's kind of, you don't know how much further you're going to play along, whereas in it's a long-term true. campaign, you can kind of build ahead. Yeah. But for stuff like one-shot characters, you don't know if they're going to die. Yeah. Like, don't, here's my advice. If you're playing a one-shot or if you're running a one-shot, either tell your players or ask, just, is this going to be a more than one session one-shot? Is this a Rogue <laughs> One situation where we're all dying on Scarif? Which is fun. In which case, I'm not going to wait to take the feat. It's like, oh, my build's... <laughs> almost perfect if i take level eight 
to become bounty hunter, then they'd be great. You're not going to live to level eight, buddy. I, I'm sorry to say it. That's really good advice, Just actually. Dip into the multi multi classing in the system is easier than probably any probably any, any. tabletop I mean, system I, I've ever seen. I've yet to see it. It's certainly rewarding in in Pathfinder Second Edition, but not. Not as simple. easy not as, as easy. no, not as easy as it is in, second, in Saga. Pathfinter Second Edition has archetypes and stuff like that. Oh, you yeah. take those, and then you can take feats, mm-hmm. but it's only at certain levels. Yeah, um, Fifth Edition has some kind of weirder multi-class thing. I think Fifth Edition's multi-classing is closer to Saga Edition than Pathfinder's is, but I don't recall it being as easy as Saga Edition. Yeah, I know. Just... I've heard people talk about it, but I know it's not terribly widespread. So yeah, well, that's because classes in Fifth Edition are kind of. There's a reason this isn't a fifth edition podcast. Yes. is what I'm gonna say, and but I like multi-classing in second edition. It's you get one of the starting feats, you get the class bonuses. Class bonuses don't stack. Nope. Which is fine. Cause, but then if I'm classing as a scoundrel and a soldier, I think scoundrel has plus two to wisdom defense. Yeah. Whereas soldier gets plus two to reflex and fortitude. Yeah. They so don't stack. But they don't you do stack, get the best. But I get of... the best of yeah. all of my multi-classes. Yeah. Which is great. Um. Only thing to keep in mind when multi-classing is, you know, if you're going to be multi-classing to Jedi and you don't get the Force-sensitive feat automatically, you have to take it separately, or you can take that and not have lightsaber proficiency. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, a blend of, of like, a like a bringing in the Jedi class at all, you probably want to start the Jedi class <laughs> just so you can get all those feats. Um, just a little word of advice. I think there, the I Jedi class implies a lot. About a character. Oh, yeah. And, which is why it has a lot of starting feats and stuff like and, that. And, you know, we should... Uh, good to point out, just for anyone who doesn't know yet... Excuse me. The Jedi class is, like, the poorest... The most poorly named class in this whole system. It says Jedi on the box. It doesn't mean Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. That's, of course, the best option for a character like a traditional Jedi... But the class should probably be named Force-Wielding Lightsaber Guy. <laughs> if I had to rename it, your Sith character is going to be taking levels, starting levels in Jedi. Your Jedi is going to be taking starting levels in Jedi. Your Dathomiri Witch might be taking starting levels in Jedi. Unless you're using the Force Ad... Uh, was it Force Adept? Force Adept Homebrew. Homebrew yeah. starting class. Um, that, we don't need to get into that. That's and a whole... We could probably do a whole episode on Homebrew classes and stuff that like that. That would be fun to highlight them. I think they're worth at least discussing. They're they're super interesting. I've played campaigns with both of them. Are featured. they overpowered? Could be. <laughs> I haven't taken a close enough look to think that, but at a glance it may seem so. A lot of people say they are. I've played them in campaigns and they didn't really feel overpowered to me but maybe you just weren't um you weren't power playing it. you weren't power scaling it properly and uh... <laughs> i'm sure i wasn't um but yeah no the the jedi class is for anyone who studies the jedi arts as i like to call it uh any character that likes lightsabers or likes the force or both is going to be a jedi uh, in it's, class it's interesting because when referring to the light side of the Force as a whole, we call it, it's the Jedi Order, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there's also Grey Jedi and Dark Jedi, mm-hmm. and those are also still Jedi, even though they're not necessarily the Sith or not attached to the Jedi Order. Yes, indeed. Um, game masters and players alike, the best favor you can do for yourselves is when you read the Jedi class, just forget everything that comes to mind when you hear the word Jedi. Consider that the what the Jedi class means to your player is entirely era-dependent. Yes. 
Absolutely. So if you're doing Old Republic, the Jedi is a super common thing. Yes. There's so many of them. Mm -hmm. And they're usually, you know, they're on the side of the Republic. Yeah. And if you're talking like Clone Wars era, there's definitely less Jedi now. But the Jedi are the more predominant force in the galaxy versus the Sith. And there's a lot of other factions in the Clone Wars and the Dark Times that would take Jedi classes that aren't necessarily Jedi themselves. I brought up the Night Sisters. Maybe a trained assassin of Count Dooku is is definitely Absolutely. taking le levels in yeah. Jedi. So Asajj Ventress definitely has levels in Jedi. 100%. Considering she did start She as... did start as a Jedi. She was very briefly a youngling. Uh, I think another good example would probably be uh, Savage Opress. Yes, what I, that's what I want to emphasize, that e your character may be taking levels in Jedi, even if they don't have any connection at all to the Jedi Order. So Savage Opress is a good example. Mm -hmm. I... I'm sure he has, there's probably a build on the sub, on the wiki somewhere. I'm sure there is. And probably not an official build. No. I would probably give him soldier, soldier levels yeah. and a Jedi level. Yeah. Yeah, to start with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that was pretty good. We that talked good. about Jedi. Yeah. We went over all the things. We we, there's a lot more from Nate's email yeah, that we'd I like wanted to go to, over. I wanted to go over Attacks of Opportunity real quick. Does that sound yeah, fun to you? Well, okay, cool, yeah. Time. Just because Nate seemed real, real, real pressed about this <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're fine, Nate. I, this is just an important topic I wanted to cover because attacks of opportunity are great, and the role they fill in this system is, I think, kind of unique compared to other systems. It's a kind of a nice middle ground between the everyone has attacks of opportunity and only one class has attacks of opportunity. And this is another area of the campaign I ran wrong for like two years, like a long time. I was running attacks of opportunity wrong. Uh, there's very little words on attacks of opportunity in Swissy, but it's important to pay attention to them. Um, Nate asks, what the hell provokes an attack of opportunity? He didn't curse. I'm sorry, Nate. What the fuck provokes an attack of opportunity, Stephen? Tell me. <laughs> it seems like that changes a lot based on build. You can only make attacks with certain weapons. Nate, you're, you're mostly correct there. According to the core rulebook, two actions can provoke attacks of opportunity. Here they are. Moving out of a threatened square. More on what a threatened square means later. And... Performing an action that distracts you from defending yourself or lets your guard down while you're in the threatened square. So moving or doing something that distracts you. I would say anything that involves a skill check. Yes. Anything mm -hmm. like that. I'm about to touch on that because it is it is very vague for a very good reason. Um, most characters threaten squares adjacent to them. Larger creatures threaten all squares within their reach. A creature only threatens an area if they're armed with a natural weapon, claws, fists, a melee weapon, a pistol, a carbine, or any weapon with a folded retractable stock. You can add on retractable stocks to just about any rifle you please. That's kind of part of the they modification. They do not world. come base, though. No. no. Some rifles have... Some do. Some do. Not all. I think don't like let two your, do. Don't let your players get around you with that no, one. No, no, no. Don't let them say, oh, my spend, rifle. They gotta spend that 500 credits to get the retractable stock. I'm sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so th that's... And those... So since you can only threaten with those weapons, natural weapons, melee weapons, pistols, carbines, and any weapon with a retractable stock, those are the only weapons you can make attacks of opportunity with. I, we had an encounter where I had a, a Thai bomber make an attack of opportunity on, on the party's ship. No, no, no. Absolutely not. That's a heavy weapon on that on that tie bomber. You cannot make attacks of opportunity with a heavy weapon. You can't make attacks of opportunity with anything besides what we've already said: natural so, melee pistol carbine. So ships can't make attacks of opportunity. Ships cannot make attacks of opportunity. Ships can engage in a dogfight as an attack of opportunity. 
but that's a whole different world from where we're at right now. <laughs> we're talking player scale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my question is, if I use a double, like a long lightsaber pike, yeah, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. It's got reach, right? It has do reach. I threaten the reach squares or just my adjacent squares? You do. I threaten the reach. You threaten okay. all squares within your reach. But that's only for. I thought. I thought that was only for. That's larger what it creatures. says. But obviously, if you have a pike, you should be able to threaten squares. Like you know, it's clearly a gray area here. I think you should be able to threaten all squares within your reach, regardless. I think this um, specifically mentions larger creatures because all large creatures have, have reach. reach. Yeah. Um, I think you should be able to threaten all squares within your reach, regardless of your size. I don't think size is the important part of the sentence here. But if someone disagrees or has evidence to the contrary, I think, would love to hear it. Well, so I guess I, I think it says that because if I'm a large creature and I'm wielding a ranged weapon, then I don't, and it's not one of the weapons mentioned prior, then I don't threaten. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's what probably I would say. why it says it like that. Absolutely. Um, so we talked about threatened squares. Let's talk about performing an action that distracts you. Um, I'll read from the book yet again here. Some actions, when performed in a threatened area, provoke attacks of opportunity because they make you divert your attention from the fight at hand. The following actions provoke attacks of opportunity. Making an unarmed attack without the martial arts one feet. That's one not a lot of people know about. Aiming. Loading a weapon. Picking up an item. Retrieving a stored item. Moving into an opponent's square. That one can get a little confusing. I think that means you're already in a threatened square. And moving moving into, to yeah. another threatened square would attack of a attack. Or, sorry, I think it should me. say moving into an opponent's threatened square. Yes, that's what it should. Say. Um, that doesn't mean that you attack uh, provoke attack opportunity the first time you move into an opponent's square. That would that would not that would be pretty pretty powerful. Um, and then the final point, and this is where you know the devs leave it wide open for us: using any skill that distracts you or forces you to drop your guard. GM's determination. Whoa. Okay, so that can mean every use the force check? Like, activating any force power provokes an attack of opportunity? Maybe. I've heard some pretty compelling arguments for and against that. I think it depends on the force power. I agree. So, something like battle meditation? Yes. Yes, that should have provoked an yeah. attack of opportunity. Vital transfer, maybe? Battle um, strike, though? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you're right. Surge? I don't think so. No. I think things that are meant to be used in combat, oh, um, in, I think Enlighten would probably provoke an, an attack of opportunity. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it really depends. If it's something where the player is more involved at that moment yeah. in the current situation, then probably not. I think may, move object is where I'd really agree on there. That's rough. You know, I, I don't know. If it was a part of something where it implied you were in combat already. All right. We're going to take a little dip. This is a little bit of a deep dive that requires some background context. Our friend Ryan created a lightsaber form. Yes. And it was it's way of the of the wolf way, way of the low wolf. Yes. Right. Is that what it is? Yes. Are they called low wolves? Low. 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 What's the planet that Eris is? Lothal. Low Lothwolf. That's what that Lothwolf. Loth, lo, yeah, way of the Lothwolf. And what it lets you do is, if you're doing a triple attack, it lets you do forego one of the attacks for a force power. Yes. In that context, if the force power is probably move light, move object, then yes, I think move object wouldn't provoke an attack of opportunity. Yeah. Because during my full round action 
where I'm doing attacks, I don't think I'm disengaging from my enemy who's directly in front of me. Yeah. Just just a thing, something to say. I, I'm sorry for that little bit of a tan. I guess it's tan- very much a tangent. Brought up a homebrew uh, <laughs> lightsaber home form to form. justify a, a rules as written. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, well, again, it's it's all contextual. It's contextual. Yeah. Um, my, my rule of thumb, again, highly situational, going to vary between every game master out there. The object of the force wielder's attention, I think, is the key there. Like, if they're using, like, Battle Strike, obviously they're focused on their opponents. They probably aren't distracted when they make that use of the force roll. Uh, versus, like, Enlighten, they're thinking about their allies themselves. It's an internal, almost meditative sort of action. That probably would attack, uh, provoke an attack of opportunity. So, again, I don't know. They knew exactly what they were doing when they wrote in that silly little book, using any skill that distracts you or forces you to drop your guard, GM's determination. They knew what they were doing. They were leaving us to clean up the messy bits of attacks of opportunity. And that's okay. That's a big, a big, big, big component of design in the system. Um, obviously, things like use computer checks, that's going to provoke an attack of opportunity. Most mechanics checks, absolutely going to provoke an attack of opportunity. Treat injury checks. Yes. Definitely. 100%. Um, and the, the last part of attacks of opportunity Nate wanted us to address, he says, so if you have as many reactions as you want in a round, you know, can you have as many attacks of opportunity as you'd like? Uh, the answer to the question is no. Uh, while there's no limit to the number of reactions you can take, as long as you have sufficient triggers to, to take them, the rules indicate you can only make one attack of opportunity per round. Except, of course, with combat reflexes, which grant you a number of attacks of opportunity equal to your dex mod. So, great question. Can I take as many of attacks of opportunity as I want in a round? No. You get one. You get one. And that says it right use, in the book. Unless you use combat reflex. Unless you use combat reflex. Um, Nate, that gets us barely through halfway of your email. Uh, we'll be coming back probably this time next week, some other time to, to record uh, our more responses. You did have one question that was kind of outside of all of these that I wanted to address. That was for me directly. Um, you were asking if we were going to record our um, squadron campaign, the zero distance as I've, as I've dubbed it uh, as an actual play podcast um, flattered that you're interested in playing flattered that you would love to hear us play it. The answer is no. Um, that one's just for us. For that now. one's just for us. We're our play group is made up of very, very close friends. When we play, it's a very intimate experience. I'd say it's very much for us. Um, I'm not even sold on the idea of doing an actual play podcast. I feel like that might be something I might try one day, but at this point, not for me, certainly not for my players. Um, this is a, not a popular idea among, among our players. Yeah. It depends. If, if, if something comes out of this podcast, Maybe we could convince them to do a one shot. Maybe, maybe that takes off. And if they feel comfortable doing that, I would totally be open to, I will edit as many channels of dialogue (laughs) as it takes to get us to a a live play, actual play podcast. If even possible, I don't think it's not within the foreseeable future. No, it would be a one in a million shot. Like Luke blowing up the Death Star. Yes. So glad you brought it up though, Nate. Thank you so much, but not going to happen for now. And thank you so much to Nate again for emailing us. Yes. Thank you. We're, we were kind of rolling down at the end of the, yeah, we're at the end of our down. little trek for today. Yeah. Uh, the email, I was so happy to get our first email, and I'm glad we could tackle some of it this episode. We're probably going to go through more next episode. Absolutely. And so if you want to email us, email us at darktimesswse at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at darktimesswse. As always, I'm Sam with my co-host here, Stephen. I produce and edit the show. Stephen is my dear, 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 dear co-host, and we love him. 
five times. That's I said five dear. deers, yes. Yeah, that's how dear you are to me, friend. Oh. Um, do you have a quote for us? You know, I kind of blew it with the there all there are alternatives to violence. Um, that could be our quote. This that, week. that could that's be totally one. Fun. Yeah. Well, um, there are alternatives to violence. There are alternatives to violence. Uh, have a good night, everyone.